0: Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. And
1: coming up, it's time for my baseball guys. Jay Cresswell and Joe Finger as we talk about the MLB playoffs. We'll discuss that, our football teams, TV themes, and more. Jay and Joe is standing by in the virtual green room and will join us in just a few moments. And if you're here for any Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drama King commentary, you ain't gonna find it here. I can't help you. Sorry about that. (laughs) Now, one quarterback story that does matter to me as a Cowboys fan. Yes, now people can get off the ledge. You know, mostly the the people with the, the, the aim for getting clicks and getting boosted numbers with their commentary about Cooper Rush should be the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. You can stop now. (laughs) Played poorly against the Eagles. Now I'll say this, you know, he did his job as the backup quarterback and he did it well. Four and one. The job of the backup quarterback is not to let the season go into the tank. You know, if you figured four to six games that Prescott would be out, you're hoping. Okay. If we can go 500, that that's that's great. You're hoping to get at least two wins probably out of that, you know. But so many teams that backup quarterbacks, you know, they're they're hopeless that they will maybe not win at all, or maybe one game in a long stretch. So Cooper did his job, but it's time for Dak to be back. It's time to talk MLB playoffs as I bring in my baseball guys, Jay Cresswell and Joe Finger. Guys, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you very much. Yeah, so uh, here we are in the midst of October. We are in the almost completely through the uh, division series. Uh, I'm looking at the uh, the TV now. Yankees up 5-1 in the top of the 7th. Yep. as we record at this moment so if things hold up the Yankees will be moving on so uh first let's talk about uh what has transpired so far we've seen uh, two 100 team win uh, 100 win teams bite the dust in the division series both the Braves uh, and the Dodgers which uh, not many people expected Um so what do you think? Is there, is there any theory to the week of be, a week of being off where Russ settles in or in the Braves case, did they spin their load winning the division? You can, know, you, you, you like all sorts of theories and concepts. Uh, other than the fact, personally, the Phillies just outplayed the Braves in, in, in all respect. Uh, and the Braves starting pitching outside of, uh, outside of Kyle Wright was not up to the task. So, Let's get your thoughts. Start with you, Joe.
2: I think it boils down to the simplest explanation. The teams that won 100 games or almost 100 games simply got outplayed. I think it's a load of crap that uh, you have a few days off and suddenly you've got rust covering you and that puts you at a disadvantage. It could just as easily be an advantage to have that time off. And plus you have the home field edge. And, you know, the thing is, this is really nothing new. It's rather dramatic this year, but almost every year we see at least one surprise, some years more than that. Go back to the 87 Twins. All they did was win 87 games that year, much like the Phillies this year, an 87-75 team that got hot at the right time. Two really good starting pitchers. Bullpen got its act together. Pretty good up and down lineup with some power. And the Twins took down the Tigers that year. And the Phillies are doing the same thing this year. But it's happened many times, you know, I think over the years, probably more than I realized. I remember a Yankees team that knocked out a Seattle team not that many years ago that had won 116 games or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's right. And the other thing I would say is that, you know, the for example, the Phillies, uh, the Phillies team you saw at the end of the year It was not the Phillies team that was floundering in the National League East before they made that managerial change. They played very well for an extended period of time heading into the postseason. So I thought they might, you know, cause some trouble. And that's exactly what they did.
1: Yeah. Braves only won 88 last year. Uh, That's a good point. Is another example as well. Jay, your thoughts?
0: I'm, I'm right up there with Joe. You know what? It's a three out of five. This series is. So whoever performs best and wins three games, they win. I don't care how many games they won during the regular season. I don't care what their payroll is, although it makes me happy to see the Dodgers lose. I had to throw that in there.
2: Um,
0: <laughs> but I I will use this example: the Pirates swept the Dodgers in LA this year, and they just and they, it was three solid. Well, take that. And they're horrible, but for one three game series, they were the better team. They executed. They pitched. They hit in clutch situations, the playoffs are no different. So I don't buy the time off made someone rusty or anything like that. And I don't buy the, you spent 250 million on your payroll. So you should win automatically. It's just at this given point in time, this team was better for this number of games. And, you know, quite frankly, it makes it way more interesting.
1: Yeah. Didn't the Pirates take five out of six over the season for the Dodgers?
0: Yes, they did. You guys owned them. (laughs) Yeah. Go figure, you know.
2: (laughs) And the Dodgers only broke even with the Nationals, I believe. They were three and three against the Nats. That's correct. You know, go figure. You know, you got 162 games, and then a best-of-three or best-of-five playoff is a very small sample size, and we should not be surprised when during any three- or five-game series anything can happen because it did during the regular season. Uh, Good teams lose to bad teams. Good teams have their funks and up-and-downs, and and it's – You know, bad timing if you happen to go into one of those uh, at the wrong time. But that's just the nature of of the game that we have. And I think it's a good thing, actually. If you're you're a Dodgers fan or a Braves fan or a Mets fan or a Cardinals fan, you're probably not going to be too happy with it. But, you know, it's kind of like it's chaotic. It's madness. uh, But that keeps a lot of teams interesting and a lot of fan bases involved that perhaps otherwise wouldn't be.
1: So
0: it also go ahead, Jeff.
1: Yeah, I was yeah, gonna say. So you're so yeah. you're so you're liking the expanded playoffs with the, the the extended wild card
2: and everything. Yeah, I think I think so. Now, at, at what point does you know does it become too much? But if you know when you've got a team like the Dodgers, uh, 22 games ahead of the Padres, um, you know if the Padres didn't qualify for the playoffs or they weren't going to, then you can just mail it in now but you've got some good teams who get in there get their act together because they don't give up they still make trades at the deadline to get players in anticipation of maybe making a wild card run and here we go in the National League you've got the Phillies and the Padres the, the fifth and sixth seed uh, in there. now it's chaotic. Uh, if I were <laughs> if I were a fan of one of those other teams, maybe maybe I wouldn't like it but to me baseball needs something to rejuvenate as many. Uh, fan bases as you can, especially when you've got the same teams year in and year out. It seems like dominating Yankees and Astros, Dodgers, Braves have have, have been a a juggernaut for years and years and years. And the Mets, you know, in the last few years have been really, really good as well. So those are the teams you expect to be there. If you're a small market team like the Twins or um, other teams, you want to see that there's some glimmer of hope. And if you can get hot at the right time, then you've got a chance to run the table, you know. Uh, We see it in other sports, maybe not to this extent, but, you know, March Madness, college basketball, they call it madness for a reason. So this is a little bit of baseball madness, I guess. The regular season
0: is 54 three-game series, basically. And, you know, the old saying was you win 54, you lose 54. It's what you do with the other 54 that makes the difference. Well, during the regular season, that's all well and good. But here's a three or a five-game series in the postseason. You better do it now or tough luck. And I think part of what the expanded playoffs does is it negates the we spent $7 billion on our payroll and no one else has a chance. This helps keep interest in baseball, like Joe just said, in other markets. We know the Rays, they'll probably trade their best player in the off season and they'll make the playoffs again next year. And one of these years they'll hit a magical run and go all the way. That's the hope that lies there. So I highly in favor of the way the new format is run. And what about this prospect too? Because your next season,
1: the regular season, basically you're playing everybody. Yep. So should we just dispense the divisions, top six teams in each league, get in or not?
2: Uh, wow, well, that's a great question. I don't have an immediate intelligent answer to that. What does your gut say? Uh, How
0: about an emotional answer? An emotional
2: <laughs> answer? No, no, because I like the, I like the divisions. I like yeah, those, I do too. You know, those traditional rivalries which have developed. But you're, you know, there's a certain rational argument to be made. If, if you're just going to kind of level the field and it's just going to be kind of like everybody plays everybody, then what's the point? Uh, the division, you know, they, you know, they've gone back and forth with it over the years a little bit, too, in terms of the even schedule, the lopsided yep. schedule and all and all that. So uh, but I I wouldn't my gut tells me I don't think go, doing away with the division would be something I would jump on necessarily without thinking it through a little bit further.
0: Yeah, Jay, your think, emotional you. answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a good one, too. <laughs> you know, um, and ideally, the divisions aren't best set up now for natural rivalries. But I guess it's the best they can do because, frankly, you know, I'm a Pirates fan. There's nothing like working up a hate for the Phillies or the Mets, but you barely play them now and probably less so next year. And you just don't work up any hatred for the Reds or the Cubs or the Cardinals or, well, the Brewers, yes. But, you know, it's just harder to do that depending on how the divisions are set up. And the whole interleague thing was set up to create those rivalries so the Mets play the Yankees and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera but you know uh speaking from the pirates they play detroit because the league thinks that cleveland and cincinnati are natural rivals they're not they're just in the same state so you know perhaps this everybody plays everybody will be a good thing i think we'll wait and see
2: and if you're minnesota you don't really hate anybody except maybe right. the yankees because you're too so nice <laughs> everybody hates <laughs> the yankees right we're too nice <laughs> yeah yeah
1: ex- exactly so um from what you've seen in the, in the playoffs so far. So, you know, we're going to get a Philadelphia San Diego nationally championship series. You know, you can kind of throw San Diego into that. Uh, I don't know that. I don't know. The, you know, are they a small market? Uh, they yes. spend, they spend like a big market team uh, yes. these days. So uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see, but
0: it is, it is a nice flavor to have somebody else in the mix. I mean, just to see you Darvish pitch in the playoffs. The first thought I'm going to have is I hope he doesn't get bored and try to try something different because, you know, he's bored pitching the way he's pitching. This is when it really matters. But to see, you know, last year we all made fun of the Padres, how they loaded up and loaded up and loaded up and then had an awful season. And they started off very poorly this year as well, but they piled it on and, and, you know, Joe alluded to this earlier. They got hot down the stretch just like the Phillies did. So it'll just be so good to see another team with a sold-out beautiful ballpark, you know, into the postseason who previously just isn't used to it.
2: I'm kind of looking forward to that series, actually. You've got two teams that are just happy to be there, not expected to be there. And there's some similarity in terms of what got them there. They both have a couple of good, really good frontline pitchers. The bullpen has been really good on both sides after some struggles here and there. You know, Hayter has finally gotten his act together. Uh, the Phillies have got a couple of guys that have been pretty much lights out. They've both got a marquee player, you know, with Machado and Harper, but also a pretty good supporting cast. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting matchup, and they're both playing really well right now, and have just come off of series where they were giant killers. So what's going to happen when they play each other? I, I find that an, actually a very interesting matchup.
0: Yeah, yeah, and for seven games also.
2: Yeah, Yes, yes. And of course,
1: now in the American League, the Astros waiting on the winner of the Guardians and the Yankees. Right now, as uh, we said, Yankees are leading, so they look like possibly they're going. But you never know. We may have to. I may have to go back and edit this podcast if uh,
2: something <laughs> changes. Oh, <laughs> uh, I hope you do, Jeff. Actually, but, uh, we may we yeah, may want to give two. Di- <laughs> let's give two different <laughs>
1: answers uh, on, based on the uh, based on potential outcomes. But uh, you know, an Astros Yankees. Rematch uh, certainly would be somewhat intriguing to some, um, you know. And the Astros, you know, I know they're they're hated for the for for all the cheating in the past, but they're a really good team. And yes. uh, and and boy, if if uh, Verlander keeps pitching, oh my oh. God, it's
0: it's incredible. He, well, his elbow's one year old, two or two years old. Yeah, you know, it's he's unbelievable. And, and you're right. Um, You know, still some hatred there for the Astros, although, like you said, they're a really good team. Uh, We're we're almost certainly uh, sure that they haven't cheated this year uh, unless they do what every other team does. You know, pitch framing is technically cheating. I I wanted to add that. Um, (laughs) But the Astros and Yankees, everyone's going to hate them. And then you get the Padres and Phillies on the National League side. I think there's going to be a lot of people rooting for the National League in the World Series this year.
2: Yeah, I don't know who I would root for in the American League. It'd be nice to see Dusty Baker, you know, get it. Um, and you've got, you got, like Jeff, you were saying, you've got to give Houston a lot of credit. Uh, they just have year in and year out been very, very consistent. That was pretty, a pretty amazing series. They, had, they swept Seattle with some really tough ball games. Verlander, yeah. ironically, I think was really the only guy on that staff who struggled. You didn't pitch that well in his one start, but holy moly, what was that? What was up with that one nothing eighteen inning? <laughs> Boy, what is going on? I mean, it was just a couple of years ago we were talking about uh, every every team in the league hitting homers at a record clip, and now we've got one nothing and eighteen innings. I've been transported back. To nineteen sixty-seven and it's Don Drysdale against Bob Gibson. <laughs> and, they, and they both pitched complete games in that. Yes, of course. And you'd use 20 pitchers to get that 18-inning game this year. But still, that that was amazing.
0: You know, and the other thing is, and I'm sorry, I'm going to say something positive about social media. Reading Twitter during that 18 inning game was just the best for all the commentators and everybody with their comments and how many games has this been? And I, I think I just ate breakfast and that was seven hours ago. And it, it was just hilarious reading that while watching the game. Yeah, that was good stuff. Uh,
1: yeah. And, you know, it's so also, and, they, and I don't have any numbers in front of me to support this. But it always seems to me though, you know, you talk about all the home runs during the season, but boy, when all this good pitching Night after night, the home
0: runs come down. Yep. Well, Judge was, you know, until the last game, he was 0 for everything. You know, he was seeing a real pitcher every night. Not that he didn't see good pitchers during the season, especially in the AL East, but it's a different kind of thing being in the playoffs.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's compressed schedule. And, you know, I guess historically we've seen this, where certain teams are kind of built to be more successful in a short in a short season, yes. you know, if you've got a, a couple of really good starting pitchers and a, and a good closer or something like that, and, and they pitch sometimes on short rest, or you've got the off days that sometimes allow for a quicker or a shorter a turnaround in your starts. And you're right. Great pitching will shut down great hitting. And and I guess baseball is the hardest game because you got, you've got a guy like Aaron judge who, who was, like you said, I think what struck out eight times out of his first nine or so, but you see that in baseball. Mike yep. Trout had an 0 for 26 slump during the season. Byron Buxton of the Twins had like two for 33 at one point during the season. Guys that, yep. you know, are marquee players and they just couldn't hit the ball, but they were being shut down. And so, but that's baseball. And in a short series, you're right, the great pitching. And sometimes guys just find it in that in that short series. And I don't care who you are, or how many home runs you had during the regular season, it all goes out the window in a short season. Yeah.
1: And the other comment I wanted to make, uh, you know, it's been great to hear Bob Costas doing the playoffs. And, you know, I know people are kind of like they, the the younger generation gets a little tired of his history lessons. I do not because that's, to me, what makes this game great. But uh, to me, Bob Costas doing games, I mean, TBS is – level goes up so much agreed having him do that
2: yeah absolutely, absolutely. he, he, he you know raises it, the bar he does raise
0: the bar and you know it's almost like vin scully
2: mm-hmm.
0: I, I don't ever i don't want to put anyone else on his level but
2: he'll. i was thinking the same pictures, thing
0: jay <laughs> <he'll> paint pictures <laughs> the same thing and you can say to yourself god it would be great to hear him call a game on the radio yeah. Yeah. That
1: would be, that would be awesome. But yeah, it's like, you know, you know, and Brian Anderson's a, a a fine play-by-play guy yes. I have nothing against him whatsoever, yeah. but you know, Costas brings that network gravita yep. to the proceedings to me. It elevates them, you know, you know, because you know, Joe Buck's not doing Fox anymore. Uh, you know, Joe Davis is fine, but you know, he still has to prove himself on
0: this level. Yes. Agreed. Uh, I miss uh Dan, Dan Suleman from ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. He's yes. fantastic, but we're not getting him because it's all TBS.
1: He's on ESPN Radio, is he not? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good listen uh, when you when you, Man get is great. you Yeah, he he is awesome. Uh yeah, that's definitely uh definitely a guy you would like to hear more often for sure. Yep. All right. So uh let's do football team check-ins. Uh Joe Finger in the five and one Minnesota
2: Vikings. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? Well, I would have thunk it. Um <laughs> you know, I get teased around the house and in the family sometimes for oh yeah, this is gonna be the year the Vikings are really good. I said, I think they're gonna be good. I think they could be really good. And you said this on the last show. I did. Yep. Now they're five and one, but they have not been a dominant five and one. They have not won by big margins. And they have not played anywhere near as, as effectively as they are capable of. As my wife is standing here off camera making funny faces at me <laughs> saying, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> She's heard it all before. But here they are. <laughs> here they are at five and one. So, you know, I th- and I, did, I think we talked about this a little bit last time, too. I think there's a different chemistry, a different vibe. Now, that may sound hokey pokey but uh, I think there's something to that. I've watched the locker room. I've watched all when Mike Zimmer was there, it was a much different vibe. This team seems much more united, much just louder and more raucous in terms of how they're getting into the game. And they've, you know, they've avoided significant injuries. They've been able to win the close games, not in a dominant fashion, but you know, they've Sometimes that's what it takes to have one of those seasons. You win those close games early, especially your division games. So yeah, things are flying pretty good right now in Minnesota. The new coaching staff, uh, 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 O'Connell sets a very positive tone, uh, and I've I've been very impressed with what with what he's been able to do in the in the, his early tenure here with Minnesota. Yeah, I'll
1: give you a, I'll give you a comparison because I I think this. Is checks out, you know, and of course Zimmer coached under Parcells in Dallas. Yeah. You know, and he has that hard edge to him. I guess, you know, remember when Parcells left and the Cowboys hired Wade Phillips, it was like, you know, they they sprung Absolutely. the lid off the off the building, yep. you know, and it, it changed the whole the whole thing. And I kind of think this is the kind of same thing happening.
2: Yeah. And of course, you know, if if they start losing, you know how this works. You start losing, then it's got like, we need somebody tough to come in here and impose discipline. We need a Mike Zimmer. And then if you're not doing well under a Mike Zimmer, you need a coach who can relate to the player. So there's always a bunch of Monday morning quarterbacking from yeah. week to week. But I think that for me, the proof lies in how the players are, their behavior, what I'm viscerally experiencing and watching them, they just seem to be uh, much more into the task at hand, and seem to be responding positively. And to me, that's what players do when they have a good leader. And yep. it doesn't mean that this is the only style that's going to get you to where you need to go, but it might be the right style at the right time uh, for this team. And so, certainly, the Vikings fans are hoping so.
0: Uh, the, the smart uh, front offices in any sport see that, and I—you th- hit it on the-, the nail on the head. Enough, Mike Zimmer. Uh, Let's get someone in here who rallies the players together. And I don't mean Mr. Rah Rah guy like Dan Campbell, although I'm not uh, casting aspersions on him, Uh, but they needed a change. That's all. There was necessary to have a change in the room and with virtually the same lineup, they're killing it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, you know, you have to quit repeating the same story over and over again. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff there. Well, Jay Cresswell and his Pittsburgh Steelers defeating the Tampa Bay Bucs and Tom Brady over the weekend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, I was all set to about first quarter, turn it off and go out and work in the yard, uh, which is what I do. And I record him. Uh, like I did for the Buffalo game. I only saw two plays of that game because I knew what it was going to be like. Yeah. Well, after Gabe Davis's first play, the, the, the exactly,
1: the it's all downhill. So
0: um, I figured I'd stay with this. And they were frustrating Brady most of the game with just rushing four guys. And they were forcing him to make bad passes. And, of course, he took it out on his offensive line, even though he was the one bouncing passes uh, most of the game and uh the Steelers had three cornerbacks out Minka Fitzpatrick out and TJ Watt out and an offense Friar Muth was out and despite that they put plug the guys in there you know the whole next man up thing which usually doesn't mean anything well in this case they had two guys from the practice squad starting at cornerback against Tom Brady <laughs> and if he hadn't had that drive at the end he, he still ended up with 254 yards But if he hadn't had that drive at the end, they'd have held him under 200 yards. Mm. So I don't know what they did. Uh, You know, Kenny Pickett got bonked and hit his head on the ground and had a concussion. And Trubisky came in and played like a guy who wasn't looking over his shoulder and trying to not make mistakes. And he just went for it. And Chase Claypool stepped up for the first time in two years. And even, you know, Deontay Johnson, even though there was a rumor he had a big fight with Trubisky in the locker room a couple weeks ago, he didn't drop any passes this week. So, and then Pickens got his usual two acrobatic catches. I think the Bucs were off, certainly. But I think the Steelers had a formula there for, you know, just go out and do your job and you'll be okay. Now, here's the deal. They're two and four, deservedly so. They're at Miami Sunday night. Tua is back. And Tomlin said today that if Kenny Pickett is healthy, he's playing. He's starting. And he's in full practice tomorrow. So that tells me he's starting. I'm not so sure I'm down with that because this back and forth thing uh, may hurt his growth. It may create fractions within the team. Not that they that should matter, but it may do that because Bill Cowher went through this with Slash and Tom Zack and Neil O'Donnell and all that back and forth stuff. And it basically ruined the entire season for him. So I, you know, as much as I want Kenny Pickett to be the starter and I thought it was time, I think this back and forth thing is going to hurt the team. And then they go to Philly.
1: <laughs> yeah, I
0: know all about that. <laughs> yep,
1: absolutely. Before I get to that, though, uh, speaking of social media, the best uh, one I saw was a picture of, the picture of Brady yelling at his offensive lineman and the caption was, I didn't leave my wife and kids to be losing to Kenny bleep and Pickett at the half.
0: <laughs> that was the, you know, the memes were just amazing on Sunday
2: <laughs> after that, that game. Was good. You <laughs> yeah, know, it was, guys, we were talking about how chaotic it's been in the baseball playoffs this year, but that's every week in the national football league. I mean, especially this season, I, week I know you know, parodies a thing has been for a long time, but my wife and I and some other family members and other folks who in a football suicide pool, you know, you can have Good two losses hockey. and you're out. And guess, guess who knocked me out with my second loss on Sunday, which I thought was going to be a sure bet. I had, I had Tampa Bay over Pittsburgh in that game and wouldn't I know, would have, uh, you I know, Brady, sure. you know, they lay an egg and out they go. But we've had more people knocked out of the pool earlier this year, I think than in a long, long time, not a very scientific analysis, but to some extent it's valid because there has been so many, upset so many close games you know the vikings are five and one but they're winning margins only been about by five or six points each time out so very thin line between uh one team or another on any given week i know it's a cliche but we see it every single week if
1: see it every year yeah you see it every year i mean it's it's the parody it's it's it is week to week, which is always followed by the overreaction swings when your team loses <laughs> and your team wins. It's crazy.
2: <laughs> I feel so happy. They're five and one. <laughs> I know well, it's know, ridiculous, isn't it? it it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It um, probably won't last, but it's fun while it lasts.
1: <laughs> well, uh, we mentioned the Eagles and, of course, the Cowboys uh, lost there on Sunday night. And now all the people who were saying that Cooper Rush should be the quarterback are now backtracking on that deal. Thank you. Stop yes. that Hey, Cooper Rush did his job and he did it well. The backup quarterback. Okay. If you're figuring Dax out four to six games, you're just hoping the whole season just doesn't go down the toilet at that point. You yep. know, maybe one or two wins out of your backup when four and one, I mean, he did his job. He did it well, but there's a reason he's a backup quarterback. <laughs>
0: He showed it on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. He looked very rattled in that yeah. in the first half. Uh, I will use the word bandwagon uh, when I talk about the Cowboys. If it's not the team, it's the quarterback, and it was the you know Cooper Rush bandwagon. Oh, never mind. We didn't mean it. Dak's our guy. Yeah, uh, and that's what's going on right now.
1: Yeah, Philly, we had our backup quarterback in there. This is nothing to brag about. <laughs>
2: exactly exactly but he's yeah. a pretty good he's a pretty good guy to have as your backup i think yeah. he is yes yeah. he
1: absolutely is. far exceeded my expectations
0: he'll be a starter one day
1: the way this league is because yes. i don't th- i don't think he's i don't think he'd be a very good starter right full term but you know how this league is you know the guy has a flash in the pan period and all of a sudden you know next you know people are going to want him as a, as, a, as a starter
0: generally a team that's already bad. Yep.
2: Which means, two two words, two words. Case Keenum. Keenum.
0: Oh, I was going to say Carson Wentz.
2: Oh. oh. <laughs> also Throwing true.
0: left-handed interceptions uh-huh. at his goal line. Yeah, my name was Scott Mitchell. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Scott Mitchell was a quarterback on my fantasy football team 15, 20 years ago, and everyone said, who. You're an idiot and then they were right.
1: <laughs> Was that after, when he started for the Lions after yes. his, after his uh his days of uh filling in for Dan Marino and he had that that good little stretch there.
2: Yep. yep. Did he ever play for one of those alternate alternate teams? He played league for the Jones Orlando, Orlando? I thought in the, so. In
1: the World League, yes. He had an
2: Orlando connection.
0: Wow. Well, I had season tickets to those games. Oh. Yeah. Yep. That was a that was a
1: interesting times there, yeah. At the the good old citrus bowl there, so so Cowboys at four and two. I mean, yeah, their their season could have easily been done without Dak Prescott. They survived it. I think they've discovered rediscovered their running game. Um, which now becomes a, a, a bigger weapon with uh, with Prescott once he gets back to 100%. I think, well, Zeke
0: uh, had 81 yards on Sunday, eh? and that yeah. was on like 15 carries or something.
1: Yeah, but at least it's good to see him with that burst. You know, Pollard, yep. Pollard still me- needs more touches, in my opinion, yep. because he gives Agreed. you the opportunity to, to take it to the house. But, uh, uh, you know, I can't complain where they're at right now, and they'll get another shot at Philadelphia come Christmas, and that's okay with me.
2: So. Sure. What do you guys think about the New York teams? Giants and Jets.
1: Yeah, the Jets really uh did a number on the Packers on Sunday. That was kind of fun to see. Their defense. Um, defense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they yeah, the defense is uh, is carrying them. Um you know, they are better with Wilson at quarterback. Uh, you know, Flacco got them through. As a backup should, speaking of that uh, yep. that opportunity.
2: Um, and they've had some good draft picks come in the last couple of years, and you just wonder at what point are any of these draft picks ever going to pay dividends? Yeah. And I think we're starting to see some of that. Yeah, I it's, it's not a total fluke that they're 5-1. and one. They've won. They, they, they've just beat the, you know, the stuffing out of Miami two weeks ago. Yes. And, and then to go into Green Bay when the Packers really needed a win – And I'm sure they didn't take the Jets lightly and yet still still did a number on them. Yeah. In the in the
1: the far too early part to say if the playoffs were to start today, the Jets (laughs) would actually
0: be a six seed. The Giants would be a five. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not as sold on the Giants yet as I am on the Jets. And maybe it's because I, I, you know, if the Jets defense the way they're playing, you know, that can cover up a lot of flaws. Uh, You know, Mac Jones has been hurt or ineffective for the Giants, but Barkley has been running the ball. He's finally healthy again, and I think that was just another case of, yet again, we need a different voice in the room, and they got a different voice in the room, and they got a bunch of draft picks, and now they're playing well. I mean, other than, you know, beating the Packers, I don't know that the Giants have beaten anyone uh, off the top of my head. But And the Cowboys beat them. Pretty easily, yes. uh, very easily, as yeah. a matter of fact. But between the two teams, are nine and three combined. Amazing, yeah. It's good for ratings.
1: Yes. Time, time will tell. And of course, you know, what about the next up and coming quarterback, the one and the only Bailey Zappy? I know for the New England Patriots. <laughs> what the heck's going on there? <laughs> yeah, that could. Uh, that's an interesting tape because you know Mac Jones has not really proven himself. As
0: you know, is he the guy. guy? So perhaps I, that's a Bill Parcells telling Zappy, you know, coaching him up like he coached Tom Brady. Yeah. Perhaps it's one of those. I mean, Tom Brady was what what draft pick was he? You know, oh, way down the round, list. Yeah, way at the end. Exactly. Yeah. But he sat in those meetings and took notes and was the perfect student and he was tough enough that when Parcells needed to scream at someone, he screamed at Tom Brady, and the rest of the team said, oh, well, if he can scream at him, he might scream at me, and maybe Zappy is that guy for them. Because Mac Jones may not – I don't think he's that guy.
1: Yeah, I, I haven't seen it yet,
2: but for sure. So. Where did Zappy go to college? Western Kentucky. Well, okay.
1: Conference, conference USA, yeah. Yes. Wow. <laughs> so, so there you go. So you just never – you never know when these guys are going to – come from now he still has a lot more to prove yeah but the early results aren't bad
0: <laughs> wow
1: so there you go we've we've we've, we've we have decided which is the real quarterback controversy to have
2: yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> as far as that goes so are we ready for tv themes
2: we are always ready Jeff. yes Absolutely. yes
1: because <laughs> really that's the whole reason we're doing this podcast to begin with but, uh,
0: i studied more about tv themes than i did about baseball stats so <laughs> i just want to put that out there
1: <laughs> well uh, that's right because yeah you told me you had a rather lengthy list so uh, so there we go so uh jay let's uh start with yours and we will hear it right now Jay give it to us
0: well first of all Police Woman was a great show okay it, not just the Angie Dickinson fast factor you know Earl Holloman was good I mean everyone remembers Charles Deerkop, who was always a bad guy and all those Quinn Martin productions well he was a regular on this series too and I learned a lot about it I mean it was only on for five seasons four seasons it was a spin-off from um Police Story It was one of the episodes from Police Story, and she had a different name in that episode than she did in Police Woman. Uh, She was not proud of the series because, you know, every episode began with her in a bathtub talking on the (laughs) phone to somebody, you know, and she was always undercover as a hooker or something like that. Um, But if the show was Can't Miss TV, Uh, Gerald Ford, as president, once delayed one of his speeches so as to not interrupt. Police Woman, because it was his favorite show. (laughs) But here's something I learned after the fact. You know, the theme song, once I brought it up, I went, oh, my God. Yeah, I remember that. It was written by Morton Stevens. And everyone goes, I've never heard of Morton Stevens, and probably you haven't. Morton Stevens wrote the theme to the greatest TV theme of all time, Hawaii Five-0. Oh, okay. He also wrote the theme to Gilligan's Island. He wrote the theme to Gunsmoke. Uh, We said policewoman. He got two Emmys for the theme to Hawaii Five-0. It actually won twice. Wow. Um, He also uh, led a a nationwide tour of the Brat Pack with Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr., etc. He was the orchestra leader, so he was in the club. (laughs) And sadly, he passed away at age 62 uh, from cancer. But uh, no one, everyone hears Hawaii Five-0, they think it's a surf rock song. The Ventures did it. Well, remember in the 60s, nobody wrote their own songs unless you were in the Stones or the Beatles, okay? Um, And he wrote Police Woman. I had no idea. The same guy that wrote Hawaii Five-0 and Gilligan's Island wrote the theme to Police Woman. One last fact about the show, and I read this on the internet, so it has to be true. (laughs) This is the oldest TV series where all the main cast members are still alive. Whoa. <laughs> I need a job figuring out facts like that because I love that. Yeah, That's, there's, that's, that's impressive. There's your stat of the day. Yeah. Wow.
1: And uh, yeah, so she
0: was called Pepper. Pepper. Pepper Anderson. Yes. Yes.
2: Uh, you know, I, that- um, there was almost seven degrees of separation here. I, I was toying with the idea of going with, uh, the theme from um, ABC's uh, Monday night movie or movie of the week uh, uh, as, as a theme, because that back in the day, ABC had, you know, like the movie of the week on various nights. And so the, the most iconic uh, version of, of that theme was a little tune written by Burt Bacharach, uh, mm. which had nothing to do with the television piece. But Burt Bacharach was once married to Angie. Yes, so we could have completed the circle, but now nah, I went with <laughs> something else. But, but that that was made me think of that, Jake.
1: <laughs> yes, and of course, Angie Dickinson made many a heart flutter <laughs> for sure as uh, as a uh, policewoman. So, uh, Joe, we're going to hear your tune right now. <laughs>
2: joe let us in on the selection well this is the theme from curb your enthusiasm which was or is an hbo series which has been running off and on since october of 2000 and larry david co-creator of a little show we might remember called seinfeld is the guy who the epicenter of curb your enthusiasm and it, much like Seinfeld, it's kind of one of those shows which, in a sense, is a show about nothing, uh, but yet it is a show about something, and it's received something like 47 Emmy nominations. And, and first, a little bit about the theme itself. Uh, Larry David said he first heard the, the theme when he was listening to a, um, a bank commercial on television. Many, many years ago, back in the late 70s and thought, you know, I like that. Maybe one day I'll have a project for that. I might be able to use that. So fast forward, probably 15, 20 years later, he decided to to use that. It, it actually has a name. It's called "Frolic." Uh, it was written by the Italian composer Luciano Michelini Ooh. and used in a 1974 film called La Bellissima Estate. And Larry David says, really, it's just telling you not to take anything seriously about the show you're about to watch, (laughs) Uh, which is pretty well sums it up. I did run across a nice synopsis of what um, the show typically focuses in on. And this is not original with me, but I thought it was pretty well written. It says the episodes frequently will center on Larry's ignorance of or disregard for well-established social conventions and expectations, and his insistence that other people adhere to rules of which only he seems to be aware. (laughs) His social ineptitude, combined with his inability to let even the most minor grievance or annoyance go unexpressed, often leads him into awkward social situations and draws the ire of friends, family, and total strangers who are just amazed at his inability to let it go and to stoop to some very low, some would even say immoral or disgusting behavior to have his way. And that pretty much, I love the show, but it's kind of painful to watch it sometimes. Oh, Larry, no, I can't stand to watch this.
1: (laughs) And perfectly encapsulates George from
2: Seinfeld, the character that was based on him. Yeah, good point, Jeff. I've come (laughs) to appreciate that over the years you see that you see the influence uh, of that and of course in Curb Your Enthusiasm it's it's a he's sort of sort of playing himself he is in the show Larry and he is the guy who did Seinfeld and made a huge killing on it which is why you rarely see him working very hard in Curb Your Enthusiasm he's just living yeah. off the riches of Seinfeld and Cheryl Hines who's a UCF grad are now ex-wife on, on the series. So there's a little, you know, a local connection for those of us down here in Florida.
1: And Jeff Garland, who was fired from uh, the Goldbergs, <laughs> is, uh, is on Carbure. The right manager?
2: Here. Yeah. The manager who's trying to always extricate Larry from his various awkward social dilemmas. <laughs> yes. I
0: will. I have to add my favorite episode is the one where he's going to the Dodgers game and he picks up a hooker so that he can ride in the HOV lane.
2: <laughs> oh, that, yes. Hey, I'm glad you mentioned that. Here's a, here's a quirky little thing I ran across. Um, I don't know if I'd ever heard this before. If I had, I'd forgotten. It says the 2017 Netflix documentary film, long shot revealed that raw footage from the filming of an episode from the fourth season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, an episode which was shot in part at Dodger Stadium, helped to inadvertently exonerate accused killer Juan Catalan, who had been <laughs> charged with murder and faced a possible death penalty by giving him an alibi during the time the murder was committed because they did crowd shots, and here he was at the game. He was at and the game? He actually, used that in court. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something uh, it would be an episode, but this yeah. is real. in this case. oh my gosh, Here's a little aside on that. I' surprised as he hasn't gone back and done an episode on that. I know it's like <laughs> why did I think of that? I know, but yeah, it's some pretty wild stuff.
1: Yeah, could you imagine how great it is to beat a career doing shows about nothing?
2: It was yes. About nothing. <laughs> I know. Oh, <laughs> and, it's, but, and it's sort of like an improvised show anyway I guess there's yes. like a skeletal outline But it's very improvisational type of uh, show Which is a little bit different than most So it's interesting to watch I think sometimes it works better than others But it's always interesting to see You know, how it's going to play out Yeah, wow Good stuff,
1: good stuff So uh, we've covered the gamut here, guys So uh, as always, we appreciate it And uh, thanks again for being on
2: Thanks, Jeff, appreciate it
1: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it very much. And with that, we are done here.